of a vision, right? So uh, I was talking to Jolomi last night. I said, I think we're going to do this in season one, season two, all the way to season six. Uh, because uh, chapter one alone is a season on its own. So this is episode six of season one, which is chapter one. And I don't know when we're going to get to season six. Right? I think the book of Ephesians, if I was going to teach it in such a way that it's very applicable and relevant to our daily lives, that we so that we don't compartmentalize our lives, if I was going to teach the book of Ephesians to, to make our life whole, to be, for us to be able to apply it holistically to our lives, to every area of our life, uh, it's going to take some time. I could teach the book of Ephesians uh, from a theological perspective, teach it theology and then, yeah, off you go. But as a pastor, based on my own understanding and discipline, as a pastor, that is not the role of a pastor. When you come to church on Sunday and when I teach, it should be something you should be able to... Okay, when, when, when you come to Sunday and I teach, whatever I share with you should be applicable and relevant to your life. One of the reasons I believe that many Christians are dysfunctional today is because they seem to have a spiritual life isolated from their personal life. You hear some silly things like, uh, my private life. I've said this countless times. That once you become a born again, a child of God, you no longer have a private life that is exclusive of your Christian life. When you say you commit your life to Christ, both your private and non-private are committed to Christ. So you are either a disciplined follower of Christ, based on what you said that you know you're committing your life to Christ, or you are in and out, or you are not a follower of Christ. Amen. So I would do this. Let's quickly read, quickly read Ephesians chapter 1 all the way down to verse 14. It's going to be um, a long read a little bit, but I just want to have, uh, do a mini recap of where we started from all the way down to where we are today. Praise God. So I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined to having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his, to the praise of the glory of his, of his grace, <laughs> by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, 
that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of the of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also having having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. That was where we stopped last week. Verse 13. Being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Or promise. And I tried to help us understand that. To be sealed there means that to be endorsed by the Holy... Okay, to, to be endorsed by God. Through the person of the Holy Spirit. To be approved by God. And to be deemed a possession of God. That you belong to God. So the level of understanding you have, revelation understanding you have, that you belong to God will determine how firm you can stand your ground to keep the devil off your property, to keep the devil out of your life. Every child of God belongs to God. Every born again child of God belongs to God. The devil that Jesus says about the devil in the book of John chapter 10, verse 10 that the, the thief comes not to steal. Okay, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now that you are born again, you are a child of God. Any unpleasant thing you experience in your life is not created or brought into your life by God. The devil, the thief, is the cause of these things. Jesus clearly makes us to understand that. The devil is the thief. So think about your health, your joy. Every good thing in your life, every good thing you think you should have, cautiously I say this, every blessing of God you think you should have, that does not include a boyfriend. Praise the Lord. I just think I should clarify that. The fact that you're 30 and you don't have a boyfriend yet does not mean the devil is stealing your boyfriend or is after your marital life. When it comes to the matters of relationship, there are deeper stuff in there that we need to look at. Praise the Lord. I just thought I should clarify that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Because as I'm speaking right now, I, many videos are running through my mind where women and ladies, single ladies, are going attending meetings, shouting, raging against hell so that God can release their man or the devil can pour and release their man who is to be their boyfriend. Many women, many young ladies today, are not in the right position to even go into a relationship. Praise the Lord. This is word of knowledge. Question number one. I'm not saying you should be perfect. Or I'm not trying to infer that you need to be perfect before you go into a relationship. One question I would like to ask you is this. Can you marry you? <laughs> or can you give yourself to your son to marry? So if character-wise, let's leave it at character. If character-wise, you will not give yourself to your son to marry. Now, I'm just being cautious. What I'm about to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying this with caution. I'm not saying God is a wicked God, right? But think about it. If character-wise, and you know yourself, right, you will not give yourself to your son to marry. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about what's called incest. But if another lady should possess your, your qualities, your character, those bad manners and things like that, will you recommend such a lady to your son if no now think of think of yourself as, a, as god if you were god and you have a son 
would you give <laughs> this lady to your son whom you love so much to make life difficult for him? Amen. So what I've just touched on is just to help us to think if there's more work to be done on ourselves, talking about single ladies, instead of raging and charging against her with your pot water piece too. Praise the Lord. Don't go there. With your pot water piece too. So that the devil and the kingdom of darkness can bring or release your husband. Praise the Lord. I hope we, I got some message across there. Praise the Lord. There's more there, right? There's more. There's, there's a lot into it. That's why I keep using the word caution. Praise the Lord. Because there are many women today who are married to a great man. But these women, praise the Lord. Ah, God is helping us. Those kind of men, we put them in special prayer because I don't know how they got there, but that's on that conversation for another day. And we also thank God for who is also changing lives, redeeming some women. Somebody is thinking, why are you attacking women today? Uh, you know, I only have about 40 minutes to do this, so I can't go into so much detail, right? But drop your comment, send me your comment. You know, I can do this all day. I am called to do this, to speak the truth and help people become who God created them to be so that they can live the best life that God has, in, has, has, has planned for them. Amen. So as I was saying, any good thing, you see that I didn't, I, I, I didn't go off track, right? So any good thing, joy, peace, that you're supposed to experience, that you know God has given to you in Christ Jesus, if you refer, if you refer back to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God that brings salvation. Salvation there, Greek word for salvation there means sozo, and it means healing, deliverance, uh, safety, preservation so if you don't if you're not experiencing those things in your life right the devil is the one stealing it from you god is not the cause of these things in your life amen so let's go to verse 14 so you are sealed by the spirit of god you are sealed with the holy spirit of promise what, what am i there right i'm gonna link verse 13 to 14 Let's do this. I'll take verse 13 again. It says, In him you also trusted after you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. Now, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our, our, of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession? To the praise of his glory. I think NIV reads it this way. Who is a deposit? So verse 13 and verse 14, 14 are strongly linked. They are not separate from one another. Same thing. So to get the full picture of verse 13, you must ensure you read verse 14. So the Bible says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14 says, Who is the guarantee? Of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. NIV says, We is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Did I say in verse 13 that that ceiling signifies that you are God's property? And when the enemy shows up on your property with sickness and disease or any kind of demonic attack, you got to stand your ground. If you don't stand your ground against the enemy using the authority and the rights and privileges you have in Christ Jesus, it, it will keep running over your life. Most of the problems in our lives today, to a large extent, 
have lasted this long because we permitted them. And no, no judging here, no criticism here. To a large extent, many of us do not know who we are in Christ Jesus and how God has made us free from the power and the dominion of sin. Romans 4.25 tells us that Jesus died to deliver you from the power and the dominion of sin. And he was raised from the dead so that you can be justified. So that you can have a relationship with the Father. So that you can receive a new life. So that you can have a peaceful relationship with the Father. Until we have a, a depth of revelation in our mind, I will get there, which is, this is going to be the focus of this Sunday. Until our eyes of our eyes of understanding is enlightened, until our the eyes of our heart is enlightened, we cannot walk in the reality of what that is. Praise the Lord. So everyone needs to understand that I am God's property, right? Purchased by the blood of Jesus. I belong to God. I no longer belong to Satan. You know, when I was studying and praying this morning, as I was praying, the Lord opened my eyes to see one of the tactics of the enemy. If the enemy would not destroy you, he wants to use you as an instrument to destroy other people. So he will keep speaking to your mind, evil thought, supply you with evil companionship, evil friends, supply you with evil movies, horror movies. I learned, I, I learned recently that they, they call it the fear industry is a multi-billion dollar industry now. The fear industry. And now this was a pitch um, in, what's it called? This, the, look, the Dragon's Den, this, that, the boring one. I call them boring because I prefer Shark Tank to Dragon's Den. Dragon's Den, they can't behave like poor people. Uh, Shark Tank in America, those ones, you know, I, I like the energy, praise God. Well, that's by the way. Amen. So one of the pitch done in Dragon's Den, to Dragon's Den is... Um, is a kind of a, what we call them. So some guys go with their business ideas and pitch it to this kind of uh, investors, right? And then they, they negotiate, they sign a contract, they negotiate, they, they pitch their business, and those guys look, you know, listen to them. If the business is worth investing in, they invest in it. You know, they 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 make a they are, they make an agreement, you know, blah 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 blah. And if it's not worth investing in, everybody goes their own way. Praise the Lord, right? So. Uh, there's a UK version called Dragon's Den. It's quite boring. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And there's, there's a Shark Tank, which is the American version. And Australia too has their, have their own version. Now, UK, God, God help us. Amen. <laughs> I was about to take some things past nowadays, but let's carry on. So one guy was, was pitching a horror movie to these guys, and he said the, the fear industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And I was hosting my stepsister one day. And, you know, young people, you know, they, to a very much extent, they think, they talk so fast, they don't think, with all due respect, they don't think. Well, you, like Papa Egan have said it. So you can't put the head of a 40-year-old on the neck of, um, of a 15-year-old. You can't expect, young people just believe they know everything in the world, but they, guys, it's not disrespect, but the truth is this, you can't know as much as I do. You know, and I'm not just an adult who... When it comes to the matters of life, I'm not talking about special, a specialist area like medicine and things like that. Because I'm not just an adult who is just living and counting years. I'm, I'm t I've invested heavily myself and I'm still investing it heavily. By God's grace, I, compared to my peers, I'm like 10 years ahead of my peers. That's, it's only been my practice from, as, from, uh, from when I was in uh, my early 20s. Right? I'm always ahead. Most of my friends are usually 10 to 15, 20 years older than me. Most of my friends. 
right. Um, hence, when I, when I turned 30, my wife couldn't find anybody of my age to... But I found a few people you know, who are trying to, you know, to invite to my birthday because most people were older than me. Amen. So what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to state my credentials. Like I used the word last week, um, last week, you know, using my colloquial language we use negatively in Nigeria, I'm not your mate. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So what I'm trying to say is I have a lot of experience. So I was hosting this lady. Then she said to me, uh, said, horror movies don't affect me. They don't bother me. And, and I'm thinking, guy, or lady, I've been in this world, in this life much longer than you. I know the impact of fear. I know how fear works. I know how the mind works to a very much extent. Because what you feed your mind on, teenagers, are you hearing, the, you hearing me? Can you hear me? What you feed your mind on is what constitutes most of your reality. I mean, your reality, your everyday reality is defined by what you feed your mind on. I've seen young girls, sweet young girls, start, who started feeding on demonic, ungodly content on TikTok and started acting out those things they saw. I've seen sweet girls, pleasant, sane girls, you know, become glorified prostitutes and all manner of disgusted things just because of what they watch, what they watch every day. Parents, can I say to you, I don't understand how you run your home, but my teenager, my kids, ain't gonna be the, they ain't going to be the boss in the home. It ain't going to happen. Then, you know, I, was, I see some girls wear some, literally, underwear. And I look at the mother, and we have a chat about, and, and, she was, and you can see fear on the face of the mother because she can't talk to the child. Seriously? If you think you are old and mature enough to be an adult and to run your life, then it's time for you to leave the house. I look at my wife's face because I know the mothers are the ones who are usually impacted. Myself and my teenager will be negotiating on her not doing what I know will destroy her. Are we all right? Pack your load and leave. I will send you money. I'm a crazy man. <laughs> there are some things, if you've been following me for some time, you know that there are some things that I know. There are some things I know about reality of life. I'm not going to miss my kids the way many parents miss their kids when they leave home. I don't want to go into details of that. Stay around, and I'll show you some things. How to live your life. Invest in your kids. Invest in your children. Help them be the best they can be. But at the same time, don't build your life on your children's life. To raise a child is a privilege. When the child grows to become a mature person, they have the right to do whatever they want to do with their life according to God's plan and purposes. Amen. I didn't plan to share this at all. I feel a word coming to my heart for someone there. Praise God. So, if that word is for you, well done for coming to church today. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to someone about their relationship with the children. You've made an idol out of your children. They become the boss. They run out of things in your life. You need to repent and go back to God to give you wisdom on how to heal your family and do things the right way. Because what those children will become eventually will ultimately affect you. They may even remain in your house forever because they, never, they, they, were, they were never raised to become responsible people who take ownership of their life and to make decisions based on how God leads them. Parents should not be afraid. You know, some parents want to be there, everything for their child. Seriously, something is not right. Every, every parent who is raising a child in fear is heading in the wrong direction. You're only a disaster in the making. You're heading for a disaster. If you raise a child out of fear, 
and you don't put things in the right place. You know, I wish I could get details in my spirit about these things, but this is what is coming out to me, but I guess that parents know what, what I'm talking about. Amen. So going back to my stepdaughter, uh, to my stepdaughter, uh, my stepsister. So I told her, I said, these fear movies, the way, there's a way they will affect you. They will affect you. They will bring fear into your life, blah, blah, blah. And so, no. so when it's about, it was about bedtime, around 11 p.m., so we gave her the guest room and she has a bathroom to herself. So I was getting some stuff for her to, you know, to, to, you know, to make, clean their makeup and all kind of stuff. Yep. Toiletries, yes. And as I was climbing the stairs, she screamed. I said, what happened? He said, ah, person, you scared me. I said, how? He said, ah, I was, I, I didn't know who was coming. I said, I said, I don't understand. Are you not the one telling me downstairs that horror movies don't affect you? So I said, come. So what picture? Teenagers, listen carefully. I said, when you heard my footsteps, what picture came to your mind first? And she told me the picture of a particular horror movie that she saw. How somebody was climbing the stairs, she had a son, and they pulled the leg of the girl from under, from... Something pulled the leg of the girl from the bed, something like that. I wish I had, I don't think, I wasn't wearing glasses. I wish I could wear my glasses so that I can hear properly. You know, when you wear glasses for your eyes to see, but sometimes you wear your glasses so that you can hear. I said, did you not say that horror movies do affect you? Teenagers, does that make sense? Everything you feed your mind on defines your reality. And what you experience. So mind what you listen to. Mind what you watch. Your parents may not be watching. Your parents may not see what you are watching. See, teenagers, I learned during the week, bar mitzvah, that the Jewish guys do, uh, the Jewish people do. Now, bar means son, and the other part of it means of the law. So bar mitzvah means that a child is becoming a son of the law. And Adulthood in the life of a child, according to the Jewish custom, starts at the age of 13. So if you're 13 and you think you're still a child, because your mom is always there, your father is always there, you, you, someone is deceiving you. That's the, that's the starting point of your adulthood. And parents, pay careful attention. You don't leave teenagers to be by themselves, especially 13-year-old, and you, make them, you empower them to feel like they're adults and they can make, they can make this, the best decision of their life. No. You have work to do. You got to read. You got to train. Lord Jesus, I didn't, we didn't plan this. You got to read. You got to plan. You got to train yourself. There's no such thing as passive parenting. Single people, are you listening? Because your mother is disturbing your life, pressurizing you to get married and have a child. If you want to have a child, bear this in mind. A child is a person who has a mind of their own. And to help them Live a, a standard, a, a, a good life requires effort because you have to keep guiding and proning and encouraging. So if you want to have a child, you, you are saying you want to take responsibility. And you don't get a guy to impregnate you so that you can make your mother happy or your father happy or so that the society will not call you barren. Are we all right? Are we thinking? Are we okay? Praise the Lord. The Lord will take me to where we uh, to the promised land. Ephesians chapter um, verse seventeen. Let's go there. So I've connected thirteen and fourteen properly, right? You see, you see why the work of a pastor is quite challenging because I have to explain things to you, and Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will show me things going on in your life, and I have to call it out, right? Praise the Lord. 
Aha. So, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee, right, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, uh, the, I think NIV says um, is, it always is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance on the redemption of those who are God's possession. Right. So, now, one of the things I'm trying to clarify here in verse 14 is, to, is how, 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 how amazing the life of a believer is. How beautiful our life is and how precious we are to God. How God is so intentional about us. How special you are to God. Amen. Please hold that thought. What I want to show you is, is to, what I want to show you in verse 14 is how special you are to God. Now, the Bible says so God sealed, with, sealed you with the Holy Spirit as a deposit. Now, if the Holy Spirit is a deposit, how much more great is um, okay, well, if the Holy Spirit is a deposit, and look at the things the Holy Spirit means in your life guidance, healing, encouragement, comfort, as far as many people who can who understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, if the Holy Spirit is just a deposit, remember um, verse 10 and 11. Uh, verse 11 says, uh, I think verse 10 should, uh, yeah. Verse 10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, it might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. 11 says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. And it goes on and on. So look at those, look at those blessings. You know, there's one that talks. About, uh, there's a verse that talks about in the in the fullness of time. I've skipped it. Yeah, that's the verse ten. That that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together, you know, one in one all things in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says we are we are we are heirs with Christ. And the Bible just goes. I've, I've covered this in the last five um, weeks. Now watch this. So verse fourteen it says that the Holy Spirit is a is a deposit. If the Christian life today is powered by the Holy Ghost and we, we, we get so much benefit and so much from the Holy Spirit when we yield to him, safety, protection, you know, exposing the intention and the lives of people, when we are down depressed, you know, how he quickens us just by praying the Holy Ghost, you are fired up, you know, you say things supernaturally, the gift of the Spirit, the ministry of the ministry gift. The amazing things in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit said that, and the Bible is saying to us that that's just even a deposit. So if that's a deposit, imagine how great, imagine how much of inheritance we have in Christ Jesus. Imagine how much of blessings we have in Christ Jesus. If the Holy Spirit, I mean, everything we enjoy right now is just the Holy Ghost, it's just the function of the Holy Ghost in us, how much more are we going to receive in Christ Jesus when the fullness of times comes? Let's carry on. Lord, I got to speed up right now because I want to hit that verse that I was talking about. Amen. So, who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Watch this. What's the deposit? A sum payable as a first installment on the purchase of something or as a pledge for a contract. 
excuse me, the balance being payable later. So God has struck a contract with you and I that for sure, certainly, you would be with me forever. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing that you will receive the fullness of blessing in Christ Jesus. That you will be with God forever. So if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, if you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, heaven is for sure. Now, we are in heaven right now, spiritually, but in that time, we are going to be in heaven physically because when Jesus returns at the rapture, like they say, rapture, as they say, you will receive a glorified body. You will look like Jesus. I mean, this, this current body that today is sick, tomorrow is pain, no, that, this body will be done away with, and you will receive a glorified body, a new body. Then you don't need to worry about six-pack. Or whether your boobs are not as big as some, no, no, no. The kind of body you get is supernatural. So when you know that you're going to receive a supernatural body, part of what we, the Bible calls hope of our calling, when you know that you're going to receive a supernatural body, so when your body starts, I don't want to say, I don't want to use some words because this is church on Sunday. Praise the Lord. I'm not, they're not dirty words, but um, you know. <clears throat> so when the shape is not looking shapey again, right? And you have to be, you know. Packing and packing things up. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? Right? right. You look at the mirror. You say, Father, I thank you. Because <laughs> there is a hope of a glorified body. Hallelujah. My wife is laughing. There is a hope of a glorified body. Right? So you dance. As you look at yourself in the mirror, you dance, you dance, you dance, you dance. You say, because this body at some point will be done away with. And so when you go on Instagram and you, you go on social, or you, whatever social media platform you, 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 you go on, and you see some photoshopped body, you say, nah, that body is nothing compared to the glorified body I'm going to receive in heaven when Jesus returns. And you rejoice. See, teenagers, young women, get this. I'm not saying you should not take responsibility for your health. What I'm saying is this. If you can get this, you will overcome body shaming. If you can get this, you will overcome that demonic attack of body shaming. Because your physical body is not you. Currently, you are your spirit. And when the Lord Jesus returns, you will receive a glorified body. A new body that cannot be destroyed. Or that will not be destroyed. A body that has not been corrupted by sin. I was thinking about Jesus. I said, they, they, I said Jesus, the way they beat Jesus... For a normal human being, he should be dead. He shouldn't have made it to the cross. So what carried Jesus all through? And I've been thinking about it. And one of the thoughts that came to my mind was that the body that Jesus had was not a body that was infected by sin. Right? It was not a body infected by sin. I want, this is theology. If that body was left to itself, that body will heal up very speedily. And you probably you not even see Bruce. And that's not even the glorified body yet. That's, that's, the, that's the kind of body that God gave to human, human beings at the start of the world. When Jesus resurrected, he had, this is theology, he, he then received a glorified body. Jesus could not come into this world with a glorified body because that would not qualify him to die for you and I. Amen. So there should be no body shaming because you receive a glorified body. Praise the Lord. Now, so the Bible is saying to us here that the Holy Spirit that is in you is a deposit. Guaranteeing. 
it is for sure guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So there's a redemption to come. Now, this is not the redemption in verse 7 that in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, the redemption in verse 7 is forgiveness of sin. Redemption that the Bible is talking about is the full redemption when your spirit, your soul, and your body has been redeemed, restored, healed, transformed, changed into the likeness of Christ. Currently, it is your spirit and my spirit that has been what? Transformed. Right? Not, not transformation is not the best word, but recreated. We have a new spirit now. But our personality, our soul, our physical body has not been redeemed. It is at the fullness of time. The full, the, okay, the, allow me to use fullness of time. It's at the fullness of time at the return of Jesus that we receive what the full. All oh, hallelujah! I look forward to that day. You think I'm handsome? You know, people say to me I'm handsome and handsome, and I and I thank you for that. I appreciate that. Tell me, don't give, don't 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 give me that look. I, I'm very very handsome, right? Praise the Lord. But then, so if I'm this handsome, <laughs> imagine when the Lord Jesus returns. When I receive a mother, <laughs> I'm only asking the allow us to wear sunglasses. Hey, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> praise God. Let's carry on. So, deposit is money paid in advance as part, as part payment to bind a contract. So, there's a contract between you and God in the person of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. In Christ Jesus, the Holy Ghost is a, is a, is a deposit guaranteeing that for sure, for sure, you're going to receive that full inheritance. Can you see that the life, of the, the life of the believer is not about material possession? It's not about earthly accomplishment. What believers should be rejoicing about is not about earthly accomplishment. You've not, uh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. No, no, no. There are bigger things ahead of us. Praise God. There are bigger things ahead of us. Greater things. This world will come to an end. Unfortunately, we are constantly being bombarded by, with marketing, accomplishments, what you can get, what you can get. The world, we, the world we wake up to a shock one day when the Lord Jesus returns and they realize that everything they have labored and worked for, they are meaningless in the, in the light of eternity. Not that we should not enjoy the world. We should not enjoy the. When I say the world, I mean the the things that God has blessed us with to enjoy on earth. But they should, we should not make them our idol. All we should not make those things an idol in our heart because it's a bigger picture. There's a bigger thing. Praise the Lord. Let's carry on. Uh, so I've talked about redemption of the purchased possession, uh, and that is us. We are God's purchased possession, purchased by His blood. Jesus died for us. Let's carry on. Uh, verse 15 and 16. Now, for these reasons, ever since I, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, watch this. Paul said, for this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks. Now, question, what do you give thanks to God for? What do you thank God for? What do we normally thank God for in, in our churches today? Property. Tony, calm down here because I'm about to throw another bomb. Amen. Can I, be, can I just be very honest with us? Can I be very honest with us? If, you, if your property is on a mortgage, the house is not yours. So if you buy a property or mortgage and I don't greet you, congratulations, don't take offense. It's because the house is not yours. The bank still has a right to collect that house for you with the 14 payment. 
My wife and I did our financial review and we looked at the fi our finances and things like that, and equity and net worth. I said, come. And uh, she was trying to net off that mortgage on our other asset and, you know. I said, no. The house is not mine. <laughs> so don't net anything. Don't, don't bring this into my life as a debt. The house is not mine until I pay it off. Let me, okay, what equity do I have in the property? Cash. I'm not talking about market value. Cash. So this is how much I've put, to, I've put down on this property. That's my own. And this one is my own. This one is my own. This one is my own. Right? But to now put all of the mortgage value and deduct it from all financial experts, here in your business, here, just leave me alone. <laughs> and then put me in negative. I said, no, I'm not a poor man. No, no, mm -mm. Mm -mm. Let me know what I have. What is my own? You know, if the Lord is sending me to, to another country to start ministry next, uh, next year, I'll sell off the property and I'll take what's my own. I may get more because of the market, due to market value. But for now, don't call the house my own. It's not my own. So people of God, if you have a mortgage, the house is not your own. Praise, praise God. I might sleep when I pay off my mortgage and say the house is now my own. <laughs> but the house is not your own. So when people buy mortgage and they're hold and they're throwing housewarming party and everyone goes there ah you bought a home are we, we are just deceiving ourselves i was shocked one day when the lord said to me tonight to have a mortgage is not normal ah Tony, you said this one again it's not normal the society we live in has made us to think you are home owner because you have a mortgage it's not your own home praise the lord so i don't rejoice that we have a home so if you go to people's house and they say they have a home because they have some mortgage you are just looking you are you are you are, you are measuring their financial value or net worth i'm trying to avoid this canal terminologies on false pretense it's not their home if they keep defaulting tomorrow they lose their home praise the lord so <clears throat> paul did not thank god for this guest because they got a mortgage or because they bought a car when people some of you buy a car and i don't say congratulations don't take offense the value of the car today will start dropping from from the next second, except there are changes in market value, uh, market conditions that makes the value. These things are not worth congratulating people on. What are you congratulating people for? Well, because they have bought a material thing. Congratulations. God forbid the vehicle knocks tomorrow. So your congratulations and joy has been knocked down. <laughs> Guys, I'm not trying to trivialize or make a mess of the material positions we have. But they're not worth congratulating people about. As a pastor, that's when you have a pastor. Well done. Well done. You got... Even when you travel abroad, there's nothing to congratulate you about. You have a purpose. Do you know how many people have traveled abroad and their life is ruined? Because they went into the wrong place. Who told you because Nigeria is hard, God wants you to be in the UK? Like somebody said yesterday that they were speaking by the Spirit, that some people's destiny is in the UK. That's not true. That is not true. Everyone has a purpose. God can lead us to different countries to do certain things as part of our journey. But I don't, I don't believe that a person's destiny is in a place. No, your destiny is in Christ Jesus. Your destiny is in Christ Jesus. Life is a journey. The Bible says we are sojourners on earth. We are sojourners. We are strangers. We are going through the earth. Going somewhere. We are missionaries on earth. We are change agents on earth. 
We are transformers on earth. We are world changers on earth. For the glory of the Father. There's no such thing as your destiny is in UK. So what does that destiny look like? What does it, when you say destiny, what does it mean? Does it mean that you can never prosper or succeed in your life until you get to the UK? Come into the UK and we'll tell you how the UK system works. So, when we give thanks in the body of Christ, what do we give thanks for? We give thanks, thank you, Holy Spirit, for the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. That people are growing in Christ Jesus. Watch what Paul says. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your, and your love for all God's people. So, for people, for a church to be growing in love for, for one another is a massive testimony. So, if a church is full of people, who are celebrating uh, their positions, their, how do we put it? You know, there's a picture that came to my mind. Okay, let me share the, picture, see the, uh, share the picture. You know, in Nigeria, sometimes, I'm not trying to speak on Nigeria today. In Nigeria, sometimes, when a politician is promoted from local government chairman to someone in the house of Senate, something more higher, you know, like with the bigger boys, the whole church begins to celebrate, the whole people begin to celebrate that this person has been promoted there. Or if a person becomes a minister of some a department or something, the whole church starts celebrating. Now, what I'm trying to say is, a church can, have, can be full of ministers who are in power. But if there's no love in that church, if there's favoritism, if there's maltreatment, if there's control manipulation in that church, there's nothing to rejoice about. If the people don't love the church, don't love one another, if the pastor keeps has his own crew, his own clique, and his favorite ones, there's nothing to, to celebrate or to be happy about, about the church. And that, that also tells us that to love one another in the body of Christ is hard work. It is serious hard work. I can't force people to love one another. But if you want to prove to yourself that you are, you are, you, you are, you are I don't want to say you are worth, that people should be able to thank God for you. Uh, let's check how you love people. And love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Will you intentionally do those things? Patient, care about people, and stuff like that. Amen. So for this reason, verse 15 again, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Praise the Lord. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Praise God. What does this mean? How, how many minutes have we done this for? Can I? Oh, whoa. Okay. I got to stop here. This is for the two minutes. I don't want this to be too long, such that people are not able to follow through. So I wanted to talk about verse 17 today, but we had a word of knowledge. You know, God was speaking to the heart of people and stuff like that. So by next week, I'm going to be focusing on this spirit of wisdom and revelation. What does this mean? But let me give you a test out. The Bible says that, what verse is this? The Bible says that the wisdom of, I'm trying to find it now, which verse? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Which God has made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. I can't, I'm thinking very fast now because my time is up. Right. So, what the previous verse tells us that God has made his grace to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence so the grace 
of God, the knowledge of Christ has been made, has been lavished on us by God. The wisdom of God has been lavished on us. The knowledge of his, ministry, of his mystery, Christ Jesus, has been lavished on us in our spirit. And Paul was praying here in verse 17 that the Lord may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Did the Bible not make us understand in verse 13 that when you believed the gospel, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? So which other spirit are we talking about here in verse 17? See you next week. Let's bow hands our prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus for your word that has come to us this morning, instructing us, guiding us, correcting us, edifying us, building us up. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that we'll be able to apply these words in our life. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus that we'll be able to give ourselves to the reality of your word and how you see us, that we are precious to you, we are special to you, that we are your possession, that we belong to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that our mind will be enlightened to begin to rejoice in the right things, in the things that, in things that have eternal value, without losing sight of our purpose here on earth, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we declare that this week will be a week of growth for every one of us watching or listening, a week of growth, a week of maturity, and a week of even knowing you deeper and better in the name of Jesus. A week of healing where people are healed from addictions and struggles in their lives. I pray that it's going to be a week of strength where people will be able to stand their ground against the enemy who is trying to sniff life out of them. A week of strength whereby people can stand their ground against the enemy you know, and not allow, allow him to continue to, to run over their lives in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God.